Calling some of the pastors here, we are so grateful that you would join together with us here today. Today is the second of three uh, closing messages on the book of John. We finished the book of John a couple weeks ago, and today we are wrapping up. We're in the middle of a three, three parts of wrapping up the message of John. We're reflecting back on how do we live in light of the book of John and what we've heard through the gospel of John. So today we're going to look at how to apply this to our lives as it relates to the world around us. Last week we heard about how we are in the name of Jesus and we are kept in his name, we are safe in his name, and, and today we want to apply this passage to us to hear about how, how do we relate to the world around us. And we're going to do that through looking again at the Lord's Prayer as we're going to do in a couple weeks as well. So let's turn to John 17, verses 6. And when I said the Lord's Prayer, I realize that most of you are thinking of when Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, which, which actually I would call the disciples' prayer. And so this is the Lord's Prayer, the highest high priestly prayer in John chapter 17. So turn your Bibles to John chapter 17. We'll be reading verses 6 through 19. This is God's holy inspired word for us today. I have manifested your name to the people who you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and you, they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, and the world, oh sorry, that they may be fulfilled, have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world." I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. For their sake I consecrate myself, that they may be also sanctified in truth. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you've given us the gospel of John that we've gotten to, to learn from, that we've gotten to see you in. And, and Father, I pray this morning that you would help us see how do we live in light of this good news that we've been given about Jesus? How do we live in the world? How do we, how do we live in relationship to the world? How do we love the world like you've loved the world? God, I pray that you would enable everyone here to hear by your grace, through your Holy Spirit's enabling. Open up our ears. Open up our minds who might understand your word, Lord, and, and give me your grace to preach in Jesus' name, amen. One of the very first Christian concerts that I went to, it was a band named Petra. Anybody here ever hear Petra before? It's this old school, 
Um, you, you've got to be born before 1975 probably to hear of the band Petra or have old parents who have played Petra too many times for you. So, um, so the, my, one of the first concerts I went to was Petra. I was in awe. They were great. They had these, this jamming guitar. They were loud. I could barely hear. And um, it was an incredible experience. And then later on, a few years later on, I was about 11 years old, we got to go see them at this, this Christian festival. I don't think they do this anymore, but it was this three-day camp where we went away to Fishnet Christian Festival. Anybody here ever hear of Fishnet Christian? Look at that. We got some people here. Fishnet Christian Festival. It was outside of, uh, between Front Royal and Winchester, Virginia, and this is a uh, Christian festival. Thousands of people would come, and they would camp out three days to hear music and teaching and all kinds of stuff. And, and I remember they had a new album out. Petra had a new album out, and they were there at this Christian festival, and the album was called Not of This World. Anybody remember that old school album? They had this really cool 80s guitar on the front. If you look now, it's not cool. But in the 80s, we thought it was really cool. It had all kinds of teal colors and, you know, stuff like that. Well, they had a, they had a song, though, that affected me. It affected me not because of the guitar, but because of the lyrics. And their song, I want to share it with you, the, the, the lyrics went like this. And I think we have them on overhead. It says, we are pilgrims in a strange land. We are so far from our homeland. With each passing day, it seems so clear. The world will never want us here. We're not welcome in this world of wrong. We are foreigners who don't belong. We are strangers. We are aliens. We are not of this world. And I apologize to you who now have that tune in your head. Um, it, it was, uh, you know, we are strangers. Anybody else remember the rest of that? Because I'm not a singer. I'm not up here on Sunday mornings for good reason. Jesus told us that we are strangers, that we're not of this world. After hearing that song, it really did affect me then, and I remember it sticking with me, and then I discovered that those truths, they really came from God's word, and, and that truth of we're not of this world came from this passage in Jesus' prayer. And, and once I, I, I understood that, I came to, to hear those, those lyrics and to hear that it came from God's word, the truth of God's word, it took hold of me in a way that it never let me go. And, and it's affected all of the decisions we've made in our life, all the major ones at least. As we close out this, this book of the Gospel of John, we're meant to be affected by these words. They're meant to have an effect on our lives. When, when we hear Jesus praying, when all throughout, from the very beginning to the very end, the message of the Gospel of John is a message given to the world to set the world free and is, is given to us as believers so that we can go back into the world. And, and if you get that, if you get this message of the book of John, if you get the intent of, of why Jesus would have us believe in his name, have life in his name, and then proclaim his name, then it will affect everything that you do, at least every major decision you make. God, God intends for the gospel of John to change us. We're never meant to just hear the preaching of God's word to to hear a message and think, oh good, I learned some things today. What did you learn? Oh, not much, I don't know. The, I didn't like the illustrations. They weren't very funny. They weren't engaging. I didn't hear these things and all those other things. No, we're meant, we're meant to listen to God's word and to be changed by God's word because God's word's living. What you are experiencing when you hear God's word is you're, you're hearing the living word being preached. It's living, it's active, it's, it's, it cuts to the division of soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It pierces our hearts. It's meant to change us. 
Last week we saw that, that John 17, it, it contains really a summary of the entire book. It contains all the major themes of the book of John. And so that's why we're, we're launching from the Lord's Prayer. We're going back there and saying, what are the major themes here? The, the theme we saw last week is that we are, we, we, we are in his name. That that's to define us. Everything about us is to be defined by the name of Jesus. That's who we are. We're disciples of Jesus Christ. That's why we call ourselves Christians. But not only that, that he keeps us in his name. And that because he keeps us in his name, we can have confidence to remain in his name. And today, I, want God, I think God wants to see that, that we today, as believers, two simple truths. The first one is that we're not of this world. We are not of this world. That's, that's the first idea that we need to get from this passage, that we're, we're looking at the whole book of John, just like Jesus was not of this world, and now we've been remade into his image. Now we are not of this world. If you're a believer here, you're not of this world. You know, most of the time, though, when I hear that preached, when I've heard that preached in the past, it's this idea that is meant to motivate or remind us how we're supposed to live. When we hear the message, we're not of this world, so don't live like the world. Anybody ever hear a message like that? You're not of the world, so don't live like the world. Well, that's true. That's very true. I'm not sure that that's the best application of this passage, but it's true. We're not of the world, so don't live like the world. A couple of years ago, we bought some inflatable kayaks. We had borrowed some from a friend, and... And then we were like, oh, this works, and so they're great. You can take them anywhere. You can go out on the lake. You can um, go wherever you like as long as you have a life jacket with you. Um, well, we were out at, at, at Croft State Park a few months back, and when we were out there, there's these submerged logs that stick up, and, and, and we, the, the kayak ran over a submerged log, and so it pierced the bottom, and it started to leak. An inflatable that fills up with water is no good, Right? Luckily, the water didn't get into the air bladder because if it had, it would have sunk and filled up with the water and been impossible to rescue and it would have gone to the bottom, right? And, and you would have had to swim a long way. And we, we were probably about a mile from the shore, or from where we were staying at least. If an air bladder is filled with water, it's no good and, and it sinks. And the analogy that we've heard, that at least I've heard so many times, is that if a believer who lives like they're a part of the world, they're like that raft who fills with water, they're no good. That's, that's not the purpose. It's not the point. When the raft goes, gets the water of the world into it, where the air is supposed to be, it's not useful and you're dangerous sinking. That idea is true. And, and John wrote about that later on in one of his letters to the church. And in 1 John 2, 15, he, he gave some warnings. He says, don't love the world or the things in the world. If anybody loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride and possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. So the reality is, if we're loving the things of the world, I don't mean loving like Jesus, but if we're actually in love with the things of the world, you should question yourself. You should say, am I really in the love of God? Do I really have the love of the Father in me? If you're living in a way that you're continually loving the desires of the flesh, the desires of your eyes, the pride of possessions, if you are living that way, you should question whether or not you are loving the Father. Those things are true. But you know what? The Scripture has far too often been used to manipulate people. When, when you hear the message, we're in the world but not of it, sometimes it can be a manipulative message, right? You ever hear a message like that that says, you're, you're not of the world, so... So stop living that way. Don't listen to bad music. Don't do these things. Don't watch television. Don't watch theater. You ever hear those kinds of things taught? 
The scripture's been used to encourage the legalism. It's, it's been used to, to form the so-called doctrine of separation from the world that Jesus doesn't preach and wouldn't endorse. It's led people to, to withdraw from being lights in the world to being cloistered and living on their own in Christian bubbles. The idea of not being in the world has been used to motivate by fear that if you don't live a certain way, then you, you no longer belong to God. If you don't hold up to the standards of being withdrawn from the world, different from the world in every way, then you're in danger. And that's the manipulative false message. It's actually a false gospel. It's meant to coerce us into thinking that we cause ourselves to be saved. That's not the message of the gospel of John. Motivating by fear of losing our salvation or fear of being contaminated by the world, I don't believe that's intended in the gospel of John. and It's not the intent of this prayer of Jesus. We're not to live as if we're part of the world but it's because we are not of the world. We already, our status has been changed. You see the motivation here, and Jesus is praying, he's praying not to manipulate the disciples, he is praying to to encourage them, he's praying to motivate them. You're not of the world. That's good news. If you've lived all of your life in darkness and now you're living in the light, that's good news. If, If you've lived as a slave your entire life and now you're being told that you're free from slavery, that's good news, right? If, if you've been living in bondage and fear and you've been living in the kingdom of darkness under the dominion of the devil, that's good news if you're no longer under that dominion. And so Jesus is praying and he's saying, just as he is not of the world, we are not of the world. You see, back in, in verse 3, if you look down your Bibles in John 17, verse 3, look down there, I encourage you to bring your Bibles. By the way, check everything we're saying by God's words, look down your Bibles at verse 3. Jesus prays for us. He says he prays for all who know God through believing in Jesus Christ. And if you've done that, then you have eternal life. Something dramatic has happened. If, if the point of John, it's written so that you might believe, and if now that you've believed, you have eternal life, this transformation has occurred and it's meant to result it's meant to result in a changed life. John 8 and John 12, that in, in, in chapter 8 and John chapter 12, it, it tells us that we were once walking in darkness. Now I know it's a little dim this morning, we're having some issues with the lights, but um, imagine if all the lights were out, you're walking in darkness, it'd be hard to find your way. Now Jesus has come so that we might have his light and no longer walk in darkness. This world is living in darkness. Everyone you see who does not believe in Jesus, who rejects the name of Jesus, they are living in darkness. They can't find their way. They don't know where they're going, John 12 tells us. But you know what we've learned all through the book of John? We learned in John 1 that Jesus is the light, right? He's the light of the world. And then in, in, in chapter 9, we learned that this, he's the light of the world. Not only that, he, he, he opens up blind eyes, eyes that have been darkened by the world. And then John 1.12, he says, all who did receive him, and I think we have the scripture on overheads as well, all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. If you believed in Jesus, here's what's happened. When Jesus prays and he says, they are not of the world, 
what he's saying is that you're no longer under the power and dominion of sin. That's good news this morning. You are no longer under the power and dominion of sin. You've died to the power of sin. You've died to the kingdom of darkness. And the kingdom of darkness no longer has authority over you. You were a member of that kingdom. You died. The kingdom has no influence over you anymore. You've died. That prince of this world no longer rules you. A dead man can't be enslaved any longer. A dead woman cannot be a citizen of any kingdom We've died to the earthly kingdom. But here's the other good news. We've been resurrected. We've been made new. We're now part of a new kingdom. We're not of this world. We're now of his world. We're not of his kingdom. He's called us out of the domain and authority of darkness. He's called us into his kingdom, and he's given us the citizenship. And when he's raised us up, he's, given us, he's made us a new creation and given us new hope. And, and, and listen to what he says in his prayer. He says that, Father, you've given them to me. If you are here and you have placed your faith in Jesus, you have been given by God to Jesus. Now you belong to him. You are his precious possession. You're owned by him. Did you hear that? You've been given out of the world to Jesus? The devil doesn't own you anymore. Jesus does. You've been given by God to Jesus, and you're not of the world. And Jesus says that two times in, these, in, in verse 6, and then he says it again in verse 9, that God has given you to Jesus. You belong to him. He mentions three times, because we need to hear it three times, that, that we're not of this world because we've been given to Jesus by God. Now let me ask you, what greater authority is there higher than God? None. The one who was and is and is to come, who has given you to Jesus. And, and let me encourage you, your strength does not give you to Jesus. Your ability does not give you to Jesus. Your, your weakness doesn't take you away from belonging to Jesus. That's good news. You're out of the world. You're not of this world. You don't take yourself away from Jesus because God has given you to him. Your greatest enemies, your flesh, the world, the devil, they don't have authority over God and can't take you away from belonging to God. Jesus prayed in verse 10 of John 17 that God would keep us in the power of his name. We can be confident that, that every prayer of Jesus is answered and that we're kept in his name. In John 10, 29, he says, My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Imagine trying to pry open the hand of the strongest person in the world with just your hands. Maybe you've tried that before. We talked about before when I was a kid. I used to try to pry open my dad's hands when he was really strong, and I was like four or five, and I, I would find it impossible to do that. No matter how, how strong you can imagine the strongest person being, you can't pry open God's hands. The creator of all of time and space and matter and energy, he holds us securely in his hand. You are not of this world. We've been born again. We're a new creation. And Jesus gave us this good news in his prayer because he wants us to have his joy fulfilled in us or made complete in us. Look down at verse 13 of of John chapter 17. Look in your Bibles with me. He says, but now I'm coming to you and these things I speak in the world 
where we are, by the way, he says it's for a purpose that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Not about you, but I need joy, and, and we're meant to have joy from this. We're meant to have joy by knowing that, that Jesus has given us this assurance that we're not of the world, that he keeps us, and we're kept in him. But let me ask you, does knowing that you've been given to Jesus out of the world, does that, that you belong to him, that the world no longer owns you, does that give you joy? Does knowing that the world, the ruler of this world, has no authority over you any longer, does that give you joy? Does knowing that you belong to the King of kings and Lord of lords and that you're his valuable possession, does that give you joy? Do you have joy knowing that God's keeping you, you belong to him? That doesn't mean everything's gonna go your way. In fact, it's just the opposite. Jesus tells us in the prayer that the world will hate us. But we can have joy. We can have joy knowing we don't belong to the world, that the world can't ultimately affect us and hurt us, that we'll be kept from the evil one. But the world will hate us. In John 15, 18, he says, if the world hates you, know that it's hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, here's the thing, if, if, if the world is loving you, that's a problem. He says, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. So we're, we're living in the middle of this hated world, right? We've experienced that before. And if you are a Christian, if you've spoken up about believing in Jesus Christ, if you shared the truth of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, to some extent, if you shared the gospel boldly, I am sure that you have encountered some hatred of the world in some aspects. Not as bad as it could be, not as bad as it is in other countries, or as bad as people who experience severe oppression or condemnation, but we will experience the hatred of the world. So what's the answer? Sometimes we want to get out of here, right? Anybody here ever want to just get out of this world? Come on, be honest, man. Anybody want to get out of this world? Do you know who else prayed that way? Moses. Moses wanted to get out of this world. So did Jonah. They, they prayed that God would take them out of this world, but you know what? God didn't answer their prayer. Well, he did, but he answered their prayer with a no. No. So should we pray to be taken from this world? Is that the prayer that we should make? Is that, it's a normal desire, isn't it? You see, no is the answer because Jesus didn't pray that way. Jesus, his prayer was direct. He didn't ask that God would take us out of the world. He says that, he says, Father, I don't ask. I don't ask that you would take them out of the world. And you think, man, why not? This world's stinky at times, it's hard, it's difficult, I'm suffering, it struggles. I have trials, I have difficulties, this world's not easy. Jesus says, I don't pray that you would take them out of the world, but keep them from the evil one. I don't pray that you take them out of the world, but keep them there but keep them from the evil one. Why in the world did he pray that? You, you know, with, with that, that, that saying, we're in the world but not of it, I think we should flip that. We should flip that saying. We should say we're not of the world, but we're sent into it. We're not of the world, but we're sent into it. You know, that, that other way of saying it, that we're, we're in the world but not of it, it's almost as if we're stuck here by default and it's a mistake and we're just biding our time 
waiting until we can get out of this world. Now, we, we long for the day when we can be free. We long for the day when we can be with Jesus, right? And that's a good longing, but we're here for a reason. We're here for a reason. Your life is not purposeless. Your life is not listless. You are not here as punishment from God after he saved you and you have to do penance or some nonsense like that. You are here for a good reason, for a good purpose. You are here for the exact same purpose that Jesus came here. And God wasn't punishing Jesus by sending him here. He punished his son to take the sins of the world, but he sent his son, Jesus, because he loved the world. He sent us into the world. That's the second thing we need to see, is that the Gospel of John is not, not only are we not of the world, but we've been sent into the world. We have a mission. We have a purpose. We've been sent into the world. Now, now listen up. Um, some of you, you might be older, okay? I, I know that I'm, I'm a little past my midlife point. Um, one of my kids reminded me that I'm upper middle age. I'm like, thanks a lot. You're expecting me to be dead if I multiply by two. That, that may or may not be true, but you know what? My life's not over yet. No matter how old you are today, your life is not over. Your life has purpose and meaning no matter when you came to Jesus Christ. Maybe, maybe you've just come to Christ or in the, in the last few years. Your life has purpose and meaning. Let me flip that the other way. No matter how young you are, your life has purpose. You have meaning. Jesus has sent you here. If you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, then you have been sent. You've been sent into the world. Just like Jesus, he's the light of the world. God the Son stepped down into the world to be light in the world. He says, just as, Father, just as you've sent me, so I send them. Your sin is light. You're sent to explode the world with the light of Jesus. That's what makes a difference in the world. Now stop for a minute and think about the most foreign land you can imagine. What's the most foreign land you can imagine? You can shout something out. What's the most foreign land you can imagine? Got to be louder than that. Come on. Shout it out. What's the most foreign land you can imagine? The Arctic Circle. Okay. Sahara. Okay. What's What's the most foreign country you can imagine besides that? North Korea. Okay. That's very foreign to the way we live. Now imagine if you were the ambassador to the Arctic Circle in North Korea. It's how would you seek to live? What would the purpose of your living be? You see, in verse 18, Jesus, he prays, he says, As you have sent me into the world, so I've sent them into the world. What's he saying? What's he, what's he getting across here? If you have been made alive as a believer in Jesus Christ, your whole very status, your nature has been changed. You're not of this world. And now you've got a purpose and a mission that's meant to direct and affect and shape everything that you do, no matter what your job is here. Your primary job is ambassador, emissary, sent one. That's who you are. God's given a multitude of gifts in the body of Christ, and, and we rejoice in that. And I love every time we get to, get to, to welcome a new member to the church because he's given so many different gifts. And, and with all of those gifts, what one thing all of those gifts have in common is that we are all sent ones, using each of our gifts to shine the light of Jesus, to display the glory of God, 
to show that that giver of the gift is good. That's, that's what we do with our lives. Like an ambassador whose main job is, is to represent the king and talk about all the benefits of the king and that kingdom. If you were living in a foreign land, your job, your role is to talk about the king and all the benefits of your kingdom. The kingdom that you're now a part of that's not the world you're living in. And it's motivated by joy. Joy of being a new creation. Joy of being in the kingdom. Joy of wanting others to know that freedom and light. Especially if you're thinking about a country like North Korea. You'd want them to know the freedom and light. We want others to know the joy that comes from, from living for the king instead of living for ourselves. Living for the king instead of living for gods of our own making. We proclaim his kingdom in the way that we live. In how we respond to this good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're meant to be sent out. That's how we can apply this. To, to remember, you're not of this world. That's good news. It's joyful news. And then it's, it's news that's meant to affect you and meant to say, hey, I want to be like Jesus. And Jesus was sent. I'm sent by Jesus the same way with the light of the gospel. We've been drawn out of the world, hated by the world, yet kept safe from the world while we're sent into the world. The Father sanctified Jesus and he sent him into the world. Now Jesus prays that way. He says, Father, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And because we are set apart and made holy by his word and we are continually being made holy, then we can have confidence that he, as his word transforms us, Romans 12, 1 and 2, it tells us that that don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? By renewing your mind with God's word. And as we do that, we're going to know how to live in a way that's not like the world, but that that communicates the freedom that we have in Jesus, communicates the grace of God. Our lives, they're not aimless, they're not purposeless. We have a commission. And no matter what your context is, God has placed you there with all of your abilities, all of your limitations, all the things that make you uniquely you to shine like lights in the darkness. We can't, listen Christians, we cannot afford the luxury of, of withdrawing from the world, living in our own little cloister. That's, that's not what Jesus did. Jesus didn't withdraw and say, you know what, the world's messed up, God, so I'm staying here with you. No, just as Jesus was sent, so we're sent. He didn't withdraw. And in fact, he actually associated with sinners. He didn't do sinful things. He didn't participate in the works of darkness. We're not to do that either. But, but he associated with them so he could reach them. He got to know them. He, he, he talked to people who were in need. He, he welcomed all who had infirmities to come to him. He gave to the poor. He ministered. He preached good news to the poor. Maybe you're thinking today that, you know what? I, I don't really have a lot of unbelievers around me. I challenge you, open up your eyes, look around you in your home, your neighborhood, your workplace, where you, where you go out to eat, where you get your gas. God has placed you there as sent ones. And we can't, just like we can't afford the luxury of withdrawing from the world, we also can't afford the luxury of, of giving in to the world and being like them. Because we're not of the world. And Christian, don't get confused. We need to hear this message. We're not of the world. We've been sent into the world. 
Don't get confused because sometimes we get confused, don't we? Because sometimes we think that the world should think like us on their own. The world will not think like you on its own. Expect the world to hate you. Expect that there will not be answers in worldly systems or worldly thinking. Don't put your trust. You don't belong. Don't put your trust in worldly solutions to the problems of the world. What's the solution to the problem of the world is Jesus Christ. Don't put your trust in worldly leaders. We don't belong here. We have a different king. We have a different kingdom. Don't expect the world to act like you. Don't look for acceptance in the world for worldly solutions to spiritual problems. You are unique, though, in that you have been given to Jesus by God if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, and and you've been sent into the world to give them something they don't have, to give them Jesus. And what you have to offer, it's not worldly solutions. It's the truth of God's word that transforms, that makes alive. I like how that song that I mentioned at the beginning, how it ends... He says, there's so much to do before we leave with so many more who may believe. Our mission here can never fail and the gates of hell will not prevail. Jesus told us men would hate us, but we must be of good cheer. He has overcome this world of darkness and soon we will depart from here. We're strangers, we're aliens, we're not of this world. Let's start thinking of ourselves that way. Let's let that affect us. Let's let what Jesus coming into the world and saying that he sent us in the same way, let's let that affect us so we might show the Father's love. John 3, 16, we all know that verse. It was God's love that motivated the sending of his son. It's God's love for the world that motivated Jesus to send you. Did you hear that? It's, It's God's love that motivated Jesus to say, Father, don't take them from this world. That would be bad for the world. It would be bad for the world if you weren't here because you're meant to show the Father's love. You're meant to make disciples of those who are currently in the world. That's why as a church, we, our, our mission is to be disciples of Jesus, be in his name, who are growing as disciples, being sanctified in his word, and we are making disciples. That's, that's our mission as a church, and we want, we want that to be everyone's mission here. You are not of this world. You're a disciple of Jesus Christ. You're known by his name. Now, now go and make disciples. Proclaim God's word, teaching them to obey everything that's in God's word. And you know what God, what God will do? God will, by his grace, he will bring real and lasting change as you carry out that mission. We, we get to carry out that mission personally as a church. We want to we send people out from here. We would love to, to send people out on church plants from our church. We also get to support church plants as well. Currently, we're supporting a, a church plant just across town, Reconcile Community Church. Um, we, we get to serve by, by releasing me to help be a part of caring for other pastors in uh, our group of churches called Acts 29. We've got about eight churches, that, about seven other ones that I'm going to be helping care for over the next few years and helping care, care for them as, as we all seek to make disciples. You get to be a part of that. Thank you for enabling that, this greater mission that we have. And then, and then also this, this coming year, we want to support another church that's planting in Columbia. It's uh, Refuge, City of Refuge Church by Jerry and Wilson. He's going to hopefully, Lord willing, be with us here this summer trying to work a date out still. 
but we want to we give to that because we're all about saying, look, this is how we live. This is what we were made for. This is what we were made to be. We were made to be sent ones, and everything we do as individuals in the church is meant to be oriented around that. The Gospel of John was written to change the way we relate to the world. We're strangers. We're aliens. We're not of this world. We, we've given a message that we must carry to set captives free, to preach the good news to preach the good news to the poor, to demonstrate the good news, to tell everybody who's marginalized that, that they have a king who loves them and cares about them. You remember the other Lord's Prayer that I mentioned in the beginning? The one that he taught us to pray, which really is the disciples' prayer? He says, he taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. Every time you pray that, I want you to think about this. You are the means by which he brings about his kingdom coming. You are the means by which his will is done. The very prayer we pray is meant to affect us to be the means that God uses. We're the instruments of change that God uses to, to answer the prayer we're taught to pray. What's the main idea of all this? This is the last line of the whole message. What's the main idea here is that we've been given to Jesus out of the world to be sent into the world like him. And what a glorious mission we have. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. God, I pray that you would give us joy. Each and every person here would have joy knowing that we don't belong to the world. We're not of the world. We're of you and your kingdom. We have you and your light. You've made us new. We've been, we've been crucified with you and raised to new life. And Lord, would you help us orient our lives around that and share your good news with the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for being with us here.